Hi. Whenever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arkli, and today I bring you another episode of my special tech briefings. Today I bring you a conversation on the remarkable journey of Girish Mathubutham, founder and CEO of Freshworks, a company that makes cloud software for businesses to better manage their interactions with their own customers and their internal IT services requests. Girish never went to one of India's premier technology schools, the IITs, nor did he attend one of its hallowed business schools, the IIMs. Yet he has just made history. with freshworks the company he founded more than 10 years ago becoming the first cloud software venture started by an indian founder to start its ipo process in the us on friday last week freshworks filed a document of initial registration for a listing on the nasdaq marking a historic milestone for india's software as a service sector an eventual ipo will value freshworks at several billions of dollars 6 months ago towards the end of february i had a chance to catch up with kirish shortly after freshworks hit $300 million in annual recurring revenue. At the time, he did say that a US listing was something that they were discussing internally and he had recently brought on a very experienced CFO as well. But Girish wasn't ready to commit to a timeline publicly. Now that Freshworks has announced its IPO plans, I thought we could take a listen to that conversation. He spoke about why, after resisting the move to the US for many years, he eventually went to Silicon Valley. He also spoke about his dream of getting to a billion dollars in revenue and fast what covid did to his company and in a twist gave him time to pay attention to his own health and fitness this is a lightly edited version of our chat but here's how it went hey 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 how are you hi hey this so it's been it's been some actually yeah quite a few years since i met you first in chennai when did you move to the us 2019 Until on the day uh, india lost to new zealand in the uh, world cup when dhoni got out i changed my flight to i was going to go to london to watch the final but we changed and flew to san francisco <laughs> okay july 9th mm-hmm. so so what sort of what uh, prompted you to shift to the us i think that's a, a, a great question because i'll, I'll just tell you uh, In the early years, many times our investors had asked if I want to move to the US or I should move to the US, like in 2013, mm. 2015, 2016, and and I always said no. I want to build uh, this from India, and uh, I, there is no need for me to go. Mm. Uh, and I surprised every them, uh, all of them, when I said in 2019 I want to move because I think. Uh, what i realized was there are two things driving right and i was right the fact that i want fresh works to be built from india and uh, so having that playbook of uh, uh, building from india mm. but uh, the reason i actually moved is uh, once we reach 100 million right mm. so uh, okay we were starting to celebrate uh, like uh, like the ecosystem was celebrating fresh works like uh, we were getting awards and and we were considered as a, a big success etc but every time i travel to us i'll find that there are so many companies here uh, who are at 100 million and like they are really small and mm. and then i also saw that many companies uh, from 100 200 million they go to a billion dollar in like 3 4 years 5 years right and 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 that is uh, done only by companies in the valley and i wanted to really learn from uh, those kinds of uh, leaders who had not only seen scale but also scale and velocity mm. like uh, how like if you look at all companies like say for example salesforce uh, or um, zendesk or hubspot or zoom or uh, uh, 
like you take Splunk, mm. uh, Palo Alto Networks, all these companies. So they all went from 200, 300 million to a billion dollars of revenue in like five years. And, and that was like uh, fascinating to even think about. And for me, I didn't want to just celebrate at 100. I, want I wanted to kind of go and learn uh, like what does this scale and velocity mean, right? And, and uh, most of them were here in San Francisco. So I thought, uh, let me move to the US and uh, learn from some of these folks. Mm. And also uh, to, to build uh, that kind of, uh, see scale, we can go slowly, right? But velocity is important, right? So mm. uh, like we don't have, uh, we don't need, like I didn't want to take 10, 15 years to grow. Uh, uh, I wanted to grow fast, right? So uh, and, and that's, that's the reason. Like, and, and for us, the fact that we are an Indian company that is actually doing this was even more pride. So, so the, the analogy that I gave to our employees, right, when the number one question on our employees' minds was, like, meaning not minds, we had an all hands where they actually asked it. Uh, it was the most popular, everybody voted on that question and, like, it was the most popular question, why am I leaving to the US, right? I actually told them, hey, I feel like a, an Indian athlete has gotten the chance to run in the Olympics. Should I go and run or not? Mm. Right? Uh, we may win or lose. Uh, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But uh, we have to go and run. Right? And we have to really see if we can take Freshworks from where we are to, uh, let's say, if you want to crack the billion dollar revenue in the next uh, few years, let's go and try and run. And that's, that's right. Okay. Sorry for the long answer. But uh, uh, it's a learning journey for me. So I mm. wanted to mm. kind of uh, learn from the people who have done that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, when when you uh, in 2019 when you uh, decided to move or when you took that flight to San Francisco at that time, what was your uh, annual run rate, revenue run rate? I think 2019 uh, July at that time we were probably uh, slightly less than 200 uh, million, I think. Okay. Because okay. Uh, see, uh, see, we went from uh, I'll tell you this uh, part. Right? So it took us uh, 18 months to get the company to one million. In mm. the first time, right, mm. and then from one million to hundred million, we did it in five years and two months, and then hundred million to two hundred million, we did in eighteen months, and two hundred to three hundred, we did in fourteen months. So, mm. so, so mm. basically, uh, yeah, I think we would have been somewhere between one fifty to two hundred. So, so what, so what is it that helps you sort of compress the timeline? I mean, as you grow bigger and more people get to know you, I guess, what helps? No, I think uh, the fact that uh, we are our products are relevant for our customers, mm. and uh, uh, the market is big, and the customers uh, see businesses are realizing the need to engage better with their customers, mm. and also in a COVID world, uh, businesses are now uh, the COVID is actually uh, helping digital transformation. Right? Yeah. So think about it. Every business today, even the ones that were physical. Mm. are now realizing that hey, they have to engage with their customers digitally because everybody has to sell uh, uh, online or or uh, chat with their customers or do whatsapp with their customers etc because nobody is coming to the stores right mm. so i think I mean, india is opening up in the that's good news but mm. uh, broadly to answer your question the, like being relevant uh, in in uh, for the uh, current and the future helping companies engage better with their customers uh, was uh, and especially with see if you understand what our products are right it's yeah. omni channel customer support uh, it's it's uh, helping uh, automation in customer engagement helping businesses engage with customers across newer channels like mm-hmm. uh, instagram or facebook messenger or or whatsapp apple business chat while still 
helping them with the traditional channels like phone and email and all of that, right? So bringing everything together. So I think uh, uh, being relevant uh, is what helps us to kind of uh, grow faster. And some of these companies that you mentioned, which uh, grew rapidly to a billion dollars in revenue, and you wanted to figure out from their experience what you could do. So the time that you have now spent in the US, any interesting learnings that you can talk about? Yeah, I think, uh, see, broadly, uh, there are lots of learnings. And uh, see, if you look at it, I think fundamentally, uh, the, the compounding uh, effect of SaaS, that, that's one of the factors. Right? Mm. So, so if you look at the fundamental uh, revenue model difference between a SaaS company and a traditional on-premise company, right? uh, just as a simple example, if I sell, uh, uh, in an on-premise world, if I sell $100 million worth of uh, software this year, and next year, if I want to grow 20%, I have to sell $120 million worth of software, right? So, which means our sales teams have to go and bring uh, $120 million worth of customers. Whereas in SaaS, if I have $100 million worth of uh, uh, customers to this year, at the end of this year, mm. you have to understand that it's a recurring revenue model. So, if let's say, I may have some churn, so maybe that hundred million, uh, some of those customers will leave, but then the remaining customers will expand. So we have something called as dollar-based retention. So there is an expansion in the customer base, uh, which contributes to let's say, uh, say 10, 15, 20 percent. But then you, 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 even if you sell another, uh, uh, say 15, 20 percent of new, 15, 20 million of new revenue, you you can get a 40 percent growth, right? So so the compounding effect of uh, SaaS recurring revenue is what enables these companies to go through this uh, journey of say 100, 200, 300 million to a billion uh, within a set, uh, few years. So that's an important uh, learning. And how do you get there? How do you engineer that kind of growth? How do you focus on making sure that your existing customers are expanding and, and you have a, a good uh, handle on dollar base? It's called dollar based net retention. So which means can you get the uh, your existing customers to use more of your products and expand and spend more with your company. And while you're doing that, can you uh, bring in new revenue uh, from your salespeople to add on to that, right? So so that way the, the compounding effect of SaaS um, helps you build a, a much stronger business. So that's one learning uh, in, in terms of specifically uh, how this is. The other learning is in general, uh, if, you, if you think about like the, the playbook that these experienced uh, uh, players who are coming from these companies have. So they, they have playbooks on how to build pipeline of sales, how to uh, kind of make sure that uh, you can close enough uh, of those deals, how to hire and ramp, uh, like how to divide uh, all these customer segments into different categories. A lot, a lot of learnings in terms of uh, understanding the playbook. Hmm. So, so what is your flagship unit now? You moved from help desk to CRM to include even HR and so on. So, what are the most exciting parts of your business? See, broadly, we are into customer engagement and employee engagement. Right? In customer engagement, uh, we started off with customer support, and then we added uh, the sales, CRM, and marketing and customer success. So now we have a full three hundred and sixty degree suite. To kind of uh, bring uh, helping businesses put their customers in the center and understanding everything about their customers, so that it's uh, all the channels of communication with the customer, right? Phone, email, chat, social, uh, all the things that customers do within the product on the website. So the digital footprint of the customer, all the contracts, the, tran- the sales transactions. 
So how do we bring all of this together? So anybody in the business who's interacting with the customer can have access to all of that information. So that is on the customer engagement side. On the employee engagement side, we start off with IT service management and, and employee self-service and self-help. And we uh, are just new into HR, uh, where we started with applicant tracking and, and uh, uh, HRMS, but that's a newer portion. The, the bulk of uh, our business is still in the customer support, customer engagement. And But in the employee engagement, the IT segment is like the uh, second largest product. Hmm. And you said, you know, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of these companies are uh, Valley-based. Uh, so what is it about uh, the Valley and U.S. in general that you, that you found helps entrepreneurs like you? No, I think, uh, okay, let me tell you. My mission now is to try and marry the art of Indian entrepreneurship and the science of valley scaling. Mm. Right? So, uh, so I think uh, in the valley, see, India has a very different uh, style of uh, entrepreneurship, right? So we are heart driven. We, we uh, work from the heart, right? So it's not uh, so much. And, and when you don't have been there, done that talent, you kind of tend to hire younger folks who uh, uh, are smart people who can learn by doing and, and we, we have, want to have that learning mindset and, and continue to experiment, make mistakes and learn and grow, right? Uh, and, and that's the only way possible because you, you don't have a lot of uh, uh, experienced talent, right? You don't have people who have done all of this before. So so you want people who are curious, who have that growth mindset, who want to learn and do it. In the Valley, I think you just have the advantage of being able to hire people We've already seen this journey in other companies, like uh, whether it's uh, uh, Google or a Facebook or a Salesforce or a Walmart Labs, whether you're talking about marketing, engineering, security. So whichever area you want to hire, even HR or finance, so you can hire people who have been there, done that. I think that is the biggest advantage of the Valley. And uh, sometimes when, when you really want, when you, like as I told you in the beginning, when you don't want, to, you want to move fast, right? And you don't want to waste time. So at, at some point you figure out, okay, there is merit in kind of learning from the people who have been there, done that. So how do we marry that? Like how do we take the heart of uh, uh, the Indian roots that we have? So uh, we actually say our heartbeat is in India. Uh, and, and our mind is now in the valley, right? So basically, we are hiring the knowledge, the brains of people who have been there, done that, uh, while still keeping uh, the heartbeat in India. Because all product development, all R and D, uh, everything happens in India, and, and more, uh, like at least fifty percent of the business uh, is closed from India. The US is, I guess, your biggest market. I mean, uh, US has always been the biggest market, but it has been more like uh, uh, I would say, I don't have the numbers, but it would be forty to fifty percent. Oh, okay, so the rest yeah, of the we have customers in more than 125 countries, right? Mm. So, so mm. it's like uh, uh, we we are international from day one. Mm. Right? Even even when we had six customers, they came from four different continents. So, mm. so so we in that way we are very different from Valley company. Usually, Valley companies actually start off with uh, say 80 percent plus uh, uh, revenue in the US, right? Mm. And and then even at scale. They will have 60-65% revenue in the US. Uh, we are much, much lower. So, uh, But I see that as a good thing. I see that as a strong headroom uh, uh, to grow, right? So so the market is big and we have, uh, like because we have a, such a broad international base of customers, we have a lot of headroom to grow. Can you give us one or two examples of uh, the type of people that you have recruited in the US to help you on the next phase of growth? You know, the data-driven, experience-driven Product building. Yeah. 
No, I think uh, um, we have had made some uh, incredible hires. So, for example, our CFO uh, Tyler Sloat uh, came from Zora, and uh, like uh, Zora is a public company uh, in the subscription uh, uh, billing business. So uh, he had spent ten years with Zora and and taken the company public. More recently, we hired uh, Jose Morales. Uh, who uh, is actually our chief revenue officer and Jose Morales we hired from uh, he was head of sales at Atlassian and uh, he had joined Atlassian when they were 60 million and Atlassian today is a 2 billion dollar revenue company so he was there for 10 years uh, seen that journey from uh, 60 million to, uh, to almost 2 billion right so that's another example so we have uh, like we are actually uh, closing a chief marketing officer we already uh, closed and we're not yet announcing she's joining on march 10th uh, again a very experienced cmo uh, who has been with public companies who has seen scale great leader uh, so so that is uh, she'll be joining us on march 10th just to add a note here stacy epstein who previously served as chief marketing officer and chief customer experience officer at servicemax joined Freshworks as chief marketing officer in March. The company announced her appointment on March 24th. And now let's get back to my conversation with Mathu Bhutham. And, and on the product and the tech side, any hires that you've done in the Valley which you would have found it difficult in India? Yeah, I think our chief product officer, right? See, by the way, uh, I've been holding uh, the chief product officer, uh, uh, like I was the chief product officer till now. Uh, for a very long time right i that this one role i did not want to give away to anybody because uh, i'm a product person and uh, like i was very wary of giving it uh, to someone who probably doesn't understand mm. uh, our our culture and dna of in products mm. so uh, we actually hired uh, prakash uh, ramurthy as our chief product officer uh, prakash uh, spent the last, i think he comes from oracle but before oracle he was chief product officer at lifelock and, and uh, he's got a ton of experience uh, and and uh, i could focus on building the company okay i mean so all all of this sort of also suggests that as you move to your next phase of growth uh, you know uh, you've hired a cfo from a public company do you, do you want uh, fresh works also to uh, go the public listed way uh, is there a time frame is 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 uh, an ipo something that you that is in the uh, foreseeable future what is the time frame what are the other options that you want to consider see we don't have a definite time frame right but let me tell you that vc funded company right and every vc funded company knows that at some point when it's the, the timing is right you you have to consider uh, what are uh, the possible options and avenues right in that sense see we are well capitalized for now so we don't have a hurry or or a need to go and raise uh, money either in the private market or in the public market we haven't even touched the last round of funding So if you look at the scale and growth, uh, like we can be public today, right? So so we crossed the hundred million. We are growing at north of forty percent. So most companies go public even sooner, right? Like mm. uh, today in this market, you are seeing companies with hundred million, two uh, hundred million revenues are already public. So we can go, and uh, so we are carefully evaluating all our options. And and uh, when we decide to go, let me tell you, it will be a proud moment for all of us, right? And as as uh, probably the first Indian. SaaS company or SaaS startup uh, which start, uh, uh, to go uh, public here in the US. So I think uh, uh, it is a matter of uh, pride, and we wouldn't shy away from talking about it. We would, in fact, celebrate it. And uh, so we are looking at our options carefully, and I think we are in a good spot, right? 
in terms of uh, being able to choose. See, some companies uh, you have to go public because you're running out of money. Uh, you need capital, and you have to go and raise money. We are very, very aware that the markets are now like super hot. It's a great time uh, to go public, but but we believe that great companies can go public at any time, right? Mm-hmm. So so you don't have to uh, try and time the market. And, and uh, I think uh, we are keeping all our options open. We are uh, talking about uh, these things. We don't have a definite timeline, but uh, that at some point we will think uh, and and take a call on what is the right. Uh, if if the timing is right, we will consider. Fair enough. So uh, I would imagine you are already uh, profitable, or are you still sort of investing a lot of money in your products and hiring people? And- See, I think uh, uh, we are investing uh, in growth, uh, but the last year uh, because of COVID, I think uh, with all the uh, travel uh, expenditure cut and so on, so we were actually generating cash for uh, uh, we generated a bit of cash, right? So mm. which means. From a free cash flow standpoint, we were uh, positive for a few quarters. But but on the whole, uh, so you're kind of running close to break even, but but you're in investment mode in terms of products and growth. Yeah, we, we still want to continue to invest and growth. Mm. Uh, that's that's what I mm. meant to say. Mm. Okay, you've mentioned uh, various things that you're doing, you know, in terms of the next big jump in terms of growth. But I want to circle back to that point. Uh, if you were to step back and look at what is your game plan? What is your strategy to get from 300 million to a billion dollars? What are the things that you are going to focus on over the next few years? So I have to uh, take you back 15 years and give you an analogy for you to understand our vision. Mm-hmm. Right? So so if we go back 15 years, do you remember what phone you were using? <laughs> yeah, probably didn't even have a lithium-ion battery. Huh? Yeah, so, so you're probably using a Motorola yeah. or Nokia uh, yeah. a feature phone, right? Yeah. And uh, if, you, if you think about the camera that you are using, uh, mm. probably it was a Canon or a Nikon point-and-shoot camera, mm. right? Mm. And uh, if you were listening to music, we probably moved from a, a Walkman to an MP3 player, right? So mm. like a SanDisk MP3 player. Mm. And uh, if you, in India, we might not have used it, but... Uh, the U.S. people are using a TomTom GPS or a Garmin GPS, right? So mm. uh, you might have seen those things. Think about it. It's only 15 years ago, right? Uh, these technologies evolved independent of each other, right? Phone companies like Nokia were making phones. Mm. Uh, uh, like there were companies making cameras like Canon, Nikon, Kodak, and so on. There were companies that were making uh, MP3 players like SanDisk and Samsung and, and whatnot. And there were companies that were making GPS, right? Like TomTom and Garmin and so on. Mm. What happened, really? Uh, in 2006, I think when Apple launched the iPhone, the first iPhone, uh, it, it actually brought together a new product experience, right? So when, when as a consumer, uh, what we don't realize is when Apple launched the first iPhone, they did not introduce a single new chip. Mm. The first iPhone was actually assembled using commercially available technology. Like mm. Apple was able to reimagine a product experience to say, hey, I can buy these chips for MP3 player, I can buy these chips for camera, I can buy the chips for GPS, I can buy the chips for a phone and assemble a new phone, which is like a smartphone, mm. uh, where why should a consumer carry all these devices? Why can't they have one device to do everything, right? Mm. And and uh, think about it today, you're probably still listening to uh, uh, the same movie songs that you listened to 15 years ago. You threw away the MP3 player 
but your music is still the same right uh, uh, you you threw away your camera but the pictures of your uh, parents and your friends and your kids are are still the same right so so as consumers we value the music and the pictures we don't care so much about the gadgets mm. now the reason i am giving you all of this analogy is if you for a moment think about the business world uh, here also technology has evolved over time right so we had sales teams using uh, crm software we had customer support teams using lps software we have contact center teams using uh, telephony software we have uh, marketing teams using email campaign and marketing automation software we have social media response teams using social media tools but but really step back and think what is the music for a business uh, does a business really care about which chat software is delivering my chat or which email campaign software is delivering my emails or which telephony system is uh, helping me talk to the customer the music is the customer conversations so businesses want care about the, the conversations and transactions with customers those are that is the music and the pictures right everything else in between uh, is is evolution over time so somebody needs to create so the question to ask is what if there is an iphone moment in business software why should uh, businesses buy all these different tools if if things can work seamlessly right and that is the big if so our vision when we say we want to help businesses win customers for life what we are saying is we want to help businesses engage with their customers better across the entire life cycle of the customer from marketing to sales to support to customer success after they become a customer how do you engage with them across all the channels chat social phone email uh, and and keep track of all conversations keep track of all the touch points so and and the key aspect of how we do it is by creating a new product experience which is powered by what we call as a unified customer record now that is what differentiate freshworks from the other players so today people are talking about customer 360 right so you have you have to buy sales software and marketing software and support software and integration software and then you have to hire an si partner to kind of integrate all of this together which is the current state of affairs but our bet is the world is moving towards customer 360 where businesses want to understand everything about their customer and and we power that with a unified customer record think of unified customer record like an aadhar card for every customer right because uh, uh, you need to unite this across these silos of marketing and sales and support so so that is the vision of freshworks that is what will help us uh, power ahead to uh, uh, go to a billion dollars and beyond from where we are today. what's a good way of illustrating the scale at which you know freshworks products can be used see we have companies of all sizes using us right so the uh, and and because we started uh, inbound uh, i actually say uh, we hunt for deer and rabbits we don't hunt for elephants hmm. right so but we have million dollar customers but they don't start as million dollar we don't actually close million dollar deals right hmm. what i mean by that is many of our customers actually start small and then they grow big right so there is a land and expand motion at play and once they start using it uh, it's it's like uh, how uh, it's called product led growth in today's terminology so uh, some team within a company starts using the product 
and then uh, they start liking it they talk about it internally other teams start using it so so lot, so that's how we, we don't actually close million dollar deals but we have customers who end up, who pay us million dollars now right so mm. so but but our focus on go to market is uh, like how do we go after the deer and rabbits so that's uh, our analogy and so to go from 300 million to a billion dollars that million dollars has to become 3 million 5 million 10 million what is the no no i think the market is big enough uh, mm. we are playing in multiple segments so we can continue to execute against our current strategy of getting uh, uh, like see if you look at uh, our current uh, distribution right say 50% of our revenue could come from uh, smb customers which is less than 250 employees 50% of revenue comes from uh, 250 to 500 uh, 500 to 5000 and about like 250 plus mm-hmm. right so so we have customers who are like large enterprise customers the enterprise for us is more than 5000 employees mm-hmm. and and then mid market is 500 to 5000 so we have a good distribution uh, across uh, the entire spectrum right so mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, like in that sense you can say we democratize enterprise software so mm-hmm. so we are Uh, horizontal uh, product company that we have customers across uh, SMB to large enterprise. One standard question is what is what are your sort of top challenges? What keeps you up at night? So I think uh, hiring, mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, uh, see, uh, because talent is very very hot these days, mm. and uh, hiring uh, uh, and scaling culture. Uh, uh, how do you like at some points in India? Uh, we don't have a lot of been there done the talent i told you but if you want to grow so fast how do you get so many more engineers and 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 uh, marketing folks and sales folks and and when especially in a talent market where everybody is like uh, tech is super hot and everybody's hiring so so i think uh, uh, that is definitely a challenge and also handling uh, scale and agility right so while we are becoming a bigger company Uh, like see for a very long time i used to want everybody in chennai right like uh, i i uh, today we are working from 3500 offices right everybody is at home so how do you move from uh, a company that was predominantly only in chennai for the first 7 8 years and and then now we have 13 offices but then 3500 employees working from home uh, so how do, and and today when we are hiring new people and they are we are onboarding them remotely uh, they can work from anywhere so i think uh, i i personally just wish that uh, we will all come back to some kind of normal and and be able to see each other again and, and uh, uh, because i think people in general i draw energy from people there are a lot of people like me also who want to get back into offices and we start meeting people again so i don't know how much this covid will kind of impact people's morale and and how long can we keep going like this right so at some point you get tired of jumping from zoom call to zoom call right and sometimes worry about that uh, like should we open big offices again like will we ever have to those 3000 people offices or should it be hybrid so those are all some of the things we are thinking about in, in a post covid okay uh, last question is uh, in a company like yours uh, very difficult for ceos founders to to find uh, personal time uh, make time for family to stay fit uh, how do you sort of you know take on that what do you do hobbies no, 
No, I think in that sense, I would say COVID has become uh, has been a real boom because uh, uh, all the travel is cut, no jet lag, and I started uh, uh, focusing on diet, eating clean food, cutting down the carbs. I've uh, lost weight. I've started strength training. Now I, I feel in the best shape of my life. So I think uh, uh, COVID has been phenomenal in that sense, right? Uh, mm. uh, giving us the uh, ability to. And time to focus on our our selves, our health, and eating and, and fitness. Excellent. Okay, uh, th- this is really good. Uh, okay, thank you so much. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Okay, thank you. That was Girish Matsubutham. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.